feet up at the back. <laughs> All right. Lord, I just thank you that you love us, that you hear our requests. As we turn to your word, please open our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes. Help us to hear your voice and what you'd have us do with this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I've been really excited to share this with you, and I'm going to try to not allow my excitement to uh, derail my ability to use, make good use of the time. So pray for me. I love Jesus. I mean, I love Jesus. And I love, I love everything about Jesus. Fully God, fully human. I love that he was willing to come live most of his life as a very ordinary life. For us to share our experiences, to set aside, if you will, his deity for a time to live a very ordinary life, tempted in every way that we were, experienced everything that we have experienced, and yet without sin. And I, I love, I love Jesus that what we notice in Matthew chapter 5 is that Jesus has already done a couple of miracles. He's already um, started to explain them and answer a couple of questions, but he hasn't really done a whole lot of teaching yet. The, the main thing that he has said when he's gone around, we see in Matthew 4, is repent. Turn around. The kingdom of God is here. There's a new way that's available to you. But here in Matthew 5, we see the beginning of his teaching. And I love that Jesus doesn't start with, all y'all are jacked up. Because <laughs> you know he could have started there, right? I love the fact that Jesus doesn't start, this is what's wrong with you, and that's what's wrong with you, right? I love that. He starts with blessed, or as the New Living says, God blesses. And he's, he starts with this list of, hey, this is the good stuff. Blessed. And I want to I focus on one phrase today. We're going to read some scriptures, but I want to focus on, on one of those today. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I believe that this word is relevant to what's going on in Baltimore City as a whole, what's going on in our nation, from devastation in Orlando, politically, this political cycle, the presidential cycle. I believe this is what, this is relevant to God's whole purpose for, for the universe and where, where God's story, we are not in, we are in his story, right? I believe this is relevant to that, and I believe this is relevant to your junk and relevant to your life. It's relevant to all that. And this is this could be a four-week series, but I'm going to try to do it in the next 25 minutes. Are you ready for some concentrate today? All right. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This word that Jesus chooses, blessed, for each of this list, they're happy. They're happy. Jimmy, wake up, Ben. They are, they are those to be congratulated because of God's response to them. They're happy. Jesus starts off with the, this is the story of the satisfied customer. These are the people that are happy. There's happiness in the context of a broken world. Right? Jesus is saying it's possible. Jesus is talking about the benefits. Happy. These are the people that are being congratulated because of God's response to them. Now, the peacemakers, let's break it down. He's saying those that bring about peace, a, a reconciliation to make things right between people. It's a, it's a specific words and grammar that is focused on interpersonal conflict. 
No one's ever had that, right? <laughs> it's specifically focused on people that will seek to make things right when there has been a breaking of relationship with interpersonal conflict. It's a, a reconciliation. It is those who work for peace, those who work for wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord in all aspects of life. There's a really good book written by Ken Sandy called The Peacemaker, A Biblical Guide to Resolving Personal Conflict. And the quote that's a bell ringer from that book for me is, every time you encounter conflict, you have an opportunity to show what you really think of God. Every time you encounter conflict, you have an opportunity to show what you really think of God. See, hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Graced people grace people. People that come lashing out, fighting. Somewhere down in the bedrock of their soul, they are stressed because they don't believe that anyone else will fight for them. Why? Why? Why the fighting? Why the lashing out? Right? Because somewhere on the inside, I don't believe that God is my defender. There's a little bit of truth. You see that that tattoo, only God can judge me. There's a little bit of truth in that, in that God is your defender. If I'm lashing out and fighting and violent all the time in my attitude, my words, my spirit, somewhere deep down inside, I'm not okay between me and God. And what I believe about God is not complete. Are you with me? Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. And this is what's really important, the way that he says they will be called the children of God. Let's unpack that for a second. What he's saying is they will be called someone who is like the one that they are following in a close personal relationship. They will be called someone who is like the one, God, that they are following in a close personal relationship. You've got to remember the context of what Jesus is saying here and the totality of what Jesus taught. Matthew 22, he says, love God with all you've got and love your neighbor the same way that you take care of yourself. Right here in Matthew 5, what does he say? Love your enemies. Right? Jesus is saying crazy stuff. Right? From you, from a natural perspective, this stuff is crazy. You know if you've had an experience, if you have been born again, you know that that prayer is not in here, right? You know that you are born again. You've had an experience with Jesus. You are following Jesus. If you've had some life change that makes it possible, that puts within you a desire to follow God, to love him with all you've got and love other people the same way that you take care of yourself. If that's not in you, it's possible that you've been around church people and that you've heard the truth and you prayed a prayer, but there was not a conversion experience on the inside of you. That's not our topic for today. But what I love is that Jesus was the first peacemaker. Watch me, watch this. Paul writes about this. He got it. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19. For the sake of time, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. Jesus is the peacemaker, okay? For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth and by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Now, all of us to varying degrees know what that feels like. I definitely know what that feels like. Oh, I'm far from God. Right? Yet, now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. The gospel is good news, not bad news. Jesus is the peacemaker. He's the one that makes a way. How do do we go about this? I'm so glad you asked. First of all, Paul in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, he says, make every effort. Sometimes we got to stop and say, have I made every effort? Make every effort to be a peacemaker. I'm so glad. I love Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus gave us tools. So let's talk some practical to do, nuts and bolts, and let's talk some big picture stuff. Everyone okay? All right. Matthew chapter 18. You can turn there if you like. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. I try to at least mention this once a year. Okay, I'm going to just teach through this briefly today. Because if you're here and you're human, you've experienced some interpersonal conflict. Maybe with the person next to you, no elbows this morning. Okay, no elbows. Jesus gives us nuts and bolts instruction. I'm going to put it on the screen. But I'm glad to see some of you have not memorized the whole Bible yet, so you brought it with you. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Okay? Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. I'm going to read from the New Living this morning. If another believer sins against you, pause. Pause. Okay. I've gotten pushback from some people on this because, like, I don't need to follow this because they didn't sin. Let's just talk about sin for a second. If I unpack sin in the Bible, what I would come away with is out of order and disorder. I would not come away with a list of the more than 400 laws in the first five books of the Bible. What I would actually come away with is a functional definition that's easy for me to ask myself in any moment, am I following Jesus and is what in my mind and coming out of my mouth and my actions, would I be comfortable with that if I really could see that Jesus was right next to me? History delete. Okay? Right? Disorder or out of order. So when someone... Well, what happened there? When someone does something against you that's out of order, disorder. Are you with me? Okay. Go privately. Ah, Jesus. There he goes again. Go privately and point out the offense. Now that's interesting because it does not say tell everybody on Facebook. It does not say do a passive aggressive general description of it. And then he said, right? It does not say call your mama. It does not say call your friend who you know is also ticked off at them. What does Jesus say? 
Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. Now, I want to pause here again to step back and point out the plain, simple truth of what Jesus is saying, okay? I could talk about gossip and all that stuff, but you get that. Jesus is saying, go and have a thoughtful talk that's focused on reconciliation. I'm old enough to have enjoyed Seinfeld, and so the Festivus, which is the holiday for the rest of us, is where there's the airing of grievances. We gather around the pole, there's feats of strength later, but they come after the airing of grievances. So those of you that are laughing with me, thank you. This is not talking about an airing of grievances. He's talking about a thoughtful conversation where the goal, the focus, is reconciliation. Now, are you going to have some emotions? Yes. But should you wrangle your flesh and disciple your own soul before you go? Yes. Are you with me? A thoughtful talk focused on reconciliation as the goal. Okay? So, if the other person listens and confesses it, now remember, this is important. If they confess it, in other words, if they agree, yep, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry, it was wrong, I won't do it again, please forgive me. That's what he's talking about. Then you've won that person back and the relationship is restored. But, if you are unsuccessful, Jesus knew people, take one or two others with you and go back again. So that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. And if Jesus had a sin nature, he would have said, because if two or three of you can agree on anything. (laughs) But I don't think that was how he said it. Now, He's giving us a nuts and bolts, of a practical to do, a list of procedures of how to go about reconciliation with a realistic expectation that not everyone is going to be able to be reconciled. But with going yourself privately first, with a focus on reconciliation, you've got a better shot at it actually working, right? Then if somebody else is involved, they're more likely to help you see whether you're right or wrong, Right? And then, and you know what? Almost never does anybody bring it to me. One of the elders of your church. Right? Because that's supposed to be after you go to two or three. What I get more often is, hey, I got a problem with someone. It's okay, just look at me. I love you. It's all right. It's all right. And my question is, did you go to them? And I just want to tell you, I love you. I'm here to care for you. I will pray for you. I will pray that God helps you in the peacemaking process. But my question is always going to be to you, have you gone to them? Don't come to me until you've gone to them. Because it's in there. Right? Are you with me? Now, how do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. 
on the left-hand side first, one, two, three. Ask, and this is what I, f- I feel a lot of people don't do. Song of Solomon, in talking about relationships, actually refers to little foxes that cause problems. And what I find is that a lot of people, something gets built up into something a lot bigger than it really is because they let a lot of little stuff build up and not get dealt with. And what, what I'm not an advocate of is you blasting at the other person every little thing. I like the don't sweat the small stuff books. Sometimes we got to stop and ask ourselves, is this a real thing? Okay, let me try that again. Sometimes we need to stop and ask ourselves, is this a real thing? What I'm getting honked off about, what I'm upset about, what's frustrating me, what's becoming irritant, it's a spur in my saddle. What I'm getting irritated about, is this a real thing? And maybe what we need to ask ourselves is, did they do it on purpose? Was it an accident? Should I really be bothered? Because sometimes it's not a disorder. And many, many times, uh, some of you are familiar with the acronym I like to use, HALT. Are you hurt, angry, lonely, tired? If you're hurt, angry, lonely, tired, you're more likely to get irritated by stuff than if you're not. And maybe what you need is to pause, have a 60-second rest, meditation, God loves me, everything's okay, and ask yourself, should I really be irritated about this? Is it even worth having a conversation? See, if you will do that instead of blast it on social media or text it to somebody else or just gossip to somebody else and just vent in a direction of someone that you already know is irritated with them that will agree with you, right? If instead you stop and have a God moment and follow Jesus' instructions, what you will find is that you will be happier. Because you will actually not sweep under the carpet, but you will actually process and deal with your own negative emotions and thoughts. Invite God into the situation where he can make them new. And he can help you see. Now this is not to say that you pretend that problems are not problems. No! But a lot of times we need to stop and ask ourselves, is it real? Stop and ask yourself a few questions. Second, pray. Pray. Pray for other people. Pray for them. Pray for the situation. Ask God to help you see it. Ask God to help you understand what's going on. Ask God to bring healing to your heart. And then ask, after you've asked some questions and prayed, then go. Don't wait. Go. Face-to-face is best. Over the phone. Text message, not so good. Listen, please don't text me when you're upset at me. And I, listen, I'm expecting, I'm, I'm ready today. Every time I teach on this, I get a few people to say, you know, Pastor, I'm upset with you. <laughs> it's okay. We can't have a healthy relationship if we don't talk about this stuff. But please don't text me. Because in my text message back, you're not going to hear the tone of my voice. Which is going to have love. Because I'm going to pray first. <laughs> you hear, like, text message is not the best way. Right? You, some of you already know, my sense of humor does not come across in thumb-punching the words, right? Go, listen, and then listen to the other person. When you lay out whatever it is that's gone on, listen to them, listen to what they have to say. A lot of time when we're ticked off and we're irritated, all we want to do is vent. You were not designed to just exhale, you're designed to breathe, right? Listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to what they have to say. 
and then let go. It's a part of the forgiveness process. And reconcile, come to a place of functional relationship. Now, what does this mean? I recommend a book called Unpacking Forgiveness, and I've taken this next thing from that. When you make a commitment to forgive and to reconcile the the relationship, you are making the following commitment. I forgive you, okay? I forgive you, right? You're saying, I will not dwell on this incident. Some of us are good dwellers, right? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right? I'm obsessing, I'm thinking about it, I'm obsessing, I'm thinking about it. Right? I was churning butter, I don't know. I will not dwell... I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. Right? I will not talk to others about this incident. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Now, let me explain what that will do. By making and keeping these promises, you can tear down the walls that stand between you and your offender. You promise not to dwell on or brood over the problem or to punish by holding the other person at a distance. You clear the way for your relationship to develop unhindered by memories of past wrongs. This is exactly what God does for us, and it is what he calls us to do for others. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 to 15. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Now, I want to remind you too, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, that we do this kind of love for each other. We do this, we do this uh, forgiveness. We do this work towards unity. That we do all of it. And from Ephesians uh, 5.21, we're going to Colossians 3. Um, out of a constant awareness of Jesus. And here's what I want to say to you. This kind of peacemaking is not possible without a constant awareness of Jesus. Because as soon as you get more focused on how you've been offended and what your feelings and thoughts are, you're not going to be able to forgive and let go. But if you will come back to, what did Jesus forgive me of? And what was that that my stuff is worth? Oh yeah, I was hell-bound. Hell yeah, that's where I was, right? That's the direction I was going, right? But when I stop and say, well, if Jesus can forgive me of that. Okay. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, also on the screen. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Now remember, we talked about that before, that word holy, set apart for a purpose. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must... Sorry. You must clothe... I got ahead. That was not good. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Watch this now. Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh. Be patient with each other, right? Make allowance. That means you know... The Pastor Ben is a verbal processor and he's probably going to talk too much, so forgive him in advance. (laughs) It's just an example. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which brings us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Now, how many of you church folk in the room 
remember this verse and the one earlier about if two or three of you are gathered in my name, you have anything you ask, right? And how many of you heard those quoted out of context? Inner, resolving interpersonal context, conflict is the context of those verses. If you are gossiping about somebody else, don't expect Christ to answer your prayer. You need some good teaching in our lives. That's the context of the verse. If you are refusing to be a peacemaker, if you are refusing to do whatever it takes to seek the peace, and you are frustrated with why God is not answering your prayers, maybe this is it. Let the peace that comes from Christ... You, If you have no peace, maybe this is it. Clothe yourself with love. Now this is... I love coupling the Matthew 18 passage with this Colossians 3 passage because this Colossians 3 passage tells us how to do it. Clothe your... If you come to me because I have offended you, which will happen because I'm human, but you've clothed yourself with love and humility, how can I not just say, yeah, wow... You must be right. Which is totally different than if you come with arrogance and... Are you with me? Right? This is really good practical. I'm so glad... Pastor Ben, I'm so glad you're... This is so good. It's so helpful. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, we did also hear in Jesus' words... If they don't, if they still don't respond, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. You remember that first? Some of you were holding on. Oh yeah, right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What was Jesus talking? Who said, "Love your enemies"? Now, what does that mean? How do you respond to the unrepentant? Well, number one on the screen, you resolve to not take revenge. I don't see Jesus on earth advising us to take revenge. Now. I, I know something from some of my own study and personal conversations. A lot of murder in Baltimore City, even when the person that was murdered or the shooter were a gang member and involved in the drug trade, was not about the gang or the drugs or the money. It was revenge. A beef. Right? Or preliminary, like, gotta defend myself, right? Revenge is a huge factor. But what are we called to do as Christians? If I'm a Christ follower, even if somebody will not repent, I'm called to resolve to not take revenge. But instead to proactively show love. Love your enemies. Yeah, following Jesus sounds crazy. Right? Why? Why do we do this? Will you please turn to John it's the last time I ask you this morning. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. This is where Jesus actually says a prayer for you. You. Not just the people he was physically with, but you. Okay? John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. And we, of course, we've got to remember that Jesus said in teaching us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Jesus always has those linked. 
And there's a reason because if we will link them, if we, when we go to forgive to, if, if, if the person who had offended us is in an imaginary jail cell, right? Because of what they have done to us. If I am holding on to the key for, for their punishment, my forgiveness includes me letting go and letting God take the key and letting God decide how to punish that person. If I'm ever going to let go of that key and forgive the people that have hurt me, I am not going to be able to do it out of my love. Maybe you got more love than me, but I cannot do it out of my love. Only out of his. And so I say, Father, forgive me as I forgive them. Right? Those two are linked. Now, what's our motive for being a peacemaker? I'm so glad you asked. Here we are, John chapter 17. I just, I can't help myself. Enough coffee today. Verse 20. I am praying not only for these, these disciples, meaning these people around me, but also for all who will ever believe. That's you. I am praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as, praying to the Father, you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. What is the motive to be a peacemaker? Why would God want us to be peacemakers? Well, it benefits us personally. It benefits the other person. It benefits our world, our social circle, our home, our job, whatever it is. It benefits all that. But it's also a sign to people who don't believe in Jesus. Did you catch that? Because if we can be peacemakers, that's not natural. You hear what I'm saying? That's some supernatural stuff right there. That's what I'm going to say about the pizza apologies I'm going to try today, right? That's some supernatural stuff right there. There's a motive. The motive is to show people who are not believers that this Jesus stuff is real. That He is real. That there's something supernatural in it. I'd like to read you a letter and close in prayer. A little bit of a story first. Our closest relationships are often the most emotionally painful and challenging to reconcile. Uh, This is not written by me. This is written by um, a lady named Diane. My mother was driven by bitterness after my parents' divorce when I was very young. Consequently, my brothers and I grew up responding to a woman who was very distant, argumentative, critical, and unsupportive. She was also an alcoholic, which brought another damaging dynamic into our family. Mom made decisions based on a hurting heart, and these decisions were very costly for my brothers and I. It was very difficult to love my mother, and there were many times when I wanted to give up. When my mom died in April of 1996, I received a letter from a close friend who had watched my relationship with my mom for many years. Here's an excerpt from that letter. Diane, I've never met anyone who made the effort in a mother-daughter relationship like you did. And against such odds, she hurt you deeply and for a long time, yet you never gave up hope. You never left her alone. You kept pursuing her and loving her, and you finally won over her resistance. What a testimony to your deep love and commitment. I'm sure you feel sad that things weren't different with your mom while you were growing up, 
But there is such comfort and tremendous hope in knowing you will have all of eternity to know her and be with her. She will really love you then, Diane. You'll know peace and joy and security in your relationship with her. Diane writes, I cannot describe the overwhelming peace in my heart that I obeyed God and made every effort in my relationship with mom. The happy ending to all this is that not only did my mom and I reconcile and enjoy a new depth of love for each other, but mom also gave her life to Christ three weeks before she died. I feel in my heart that my mom's salvation was as great a gift to me as it was to her. Let's stand and close in prayer. You know, scientists have discovered that the blue whale around the whole world sing the same song at the same time. It's true, scientific fact. No matter what ocean they're swimming in, they sing the same song at the same time. Sometimes they change tunes and sing in harmonies, but they're singing the same song at the same time. The God who created the blue whale, the largest being, if you will, is into unity. He's the conductor of the symphony. He's the one who arranges the harmonies. He's into us being peacemakers. Blessed, happy are the peacemakers. Other people will say, you look like God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so very much that in you, this is possible. That with you, it's possible. That because of you, it's possible. That if we will focus on Jesus, His sacrifice for us, His love for us, Your forgiveness of us because of Jesus, if we will focus on the fact that You love to forgive us, that we can then forgive others, we can be peacemakers, we can seek peace in our personal lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Help us to be peacemakers, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.